It's hard to call you a new wave band. Uh, you're really quite different from like Gang of Four, Talking Heads, The Clash. Uh, how would you categorize your music? Well, well nothing to do with new wave. Uh, and any sort of connection we have with that, which was a few years ago now, I think has, has disappeared. I think I'd like to, pe I'd like to think that uh, people regard us as a pop band. I think pop has become something of a, of a dirty word lately and it's come to mean a lot of sort of music that I don't think it should mean. I, to me, pop bands are bands like um, the Hollies or the Kinks, those sort of bands that were doing classy songs with classy arrangements and that's where I think we fit in. Welcome everyone, this is That Record Got Me High, I am Rob Elba, it's great to have you guys here again, uh, Seattle, I'm still in Seattle, and I'm doing another early morning taping, because I am talking to someone once again, all across the pond, I'd like to welcome my mm -hmm. guest to the show, Mr. Peter Norris, welcome to the show, Peter. Hello, good to be here. Returning guests, so Peter, I know we just said you're in uh, Glasgow, Scotland, but you're not actually in, in Glasgow, you're, you're near it, right? Yeah, I'm just just a few, well, basically a few hundred yards outside of Glasgow. Oh, okay, yeah, so good. In, in a place called Rutherglen. Yeah, awesome. And uh, yeah, you returning guests. You did uh, Blur. We did Blur with you, and that was uh, that was fun. And then we had you rescheduled. And then uh, sadly, I I contacted you like a couple of weeks ago and said, "Are we still on?" And you said, "Oh, I thought the podcast wasn't going anymore because Barry left." <laughs> <laughs> which was to be honest peter that was hurtful that was kind of hurtful to me <laughs> well yeah yeah i was a complete mis complete misunderstanding on my part i just interpreted things completely wrong i i think it was one of these ones where he was so sort of, yeah i'll get back in touch and let you know if it's still happening and right. then when i didn't hear anything i thought oh so it's not it's not <laughs> happening all right. Well, I, I that's uh, I will accept that. And uh, if you had, you know, Peter, if you had subscribed to the podcast, then you would know you would still get uh, notifications that uh, episodes. Well, you know, this is the back. thing. I, I, I just thought it was ones that had already been done that were all still going on. So I just thought, oh well, yeah, you must. They must have had a lot that they've done, and it's like a backlog of them. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. So and I, and I thought, you know, it would get some. You were point really confused. Them, you were really confused. Yeah, I was really confused. Which right. is often the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a, a cautionary note for listeners. Don't forget, if you enjoy enjoy listening to this, subscribe to it definitely, so you'll always know that uh, when a new episode is out, I, I put an episode out uh, every week. Haven't missed one. We're going on uh, three years running. Never missed an episode. So that's a good, definitely subscribe. Uh, and that's a good a cautionary tale from guest Peter yeah. Norris. So, all right, we could move on. Don't worry, Peter. I'll, I'll move on then from that. I won't bring it up anymore. So what did you, what did you bring to talk about this time? I brought um, East Side Story by Squeeze. Awesome. That's their fourth studio album, released May 1981. And uh, it was the first one with the new keyboardist Paul Carrick replacing Jules Holland. Now, Peter, I, I, I will admit, I'll be totally honest, when I saw you had picked Eastside Story, I was like, oh, really? Because 
I my favorites, uh, I would say, Argy Bargy and Cool for Cats are, are my favorite Squeeze albums. But I will admit, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I have this thing with bands. Well, even most, even some bands I love, I will kind of give up on them at some point. I don't know why I do this. But I'm assuming you're a little younger than me, so maybe East Side Story was your. Well, well, tell me when when did you first hear East Side Story, and when did you first uh, find Squeeze? Well, I discovered Squeeze in a in a really kind of a rubbish way. <laughs> I, I I heard them on on a commercial, you know, on an, on an advert for um, an artificial sweetener, and it was Goodbye Girl. Yeah, goodbye, girl. Was used on this this advert, and I and I've got an older sister, and I said, "Oh, who's that?" And I think she had a friend who had a copy of their greatest hits. This was about 1987 or something like that, I think maybe. Okay. Um, and I got a copy of that greatest hits on cassette and and listened to it loads, and then from from then I started to buy albums. Cool for Cats was the first one I bought, which I do absolutely love. Cool for Cats, and then East Side Story was the second one I bought. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and, okay. and I sort of fell in love with that, and I and I remember that I think Frank was one I got when it maybe when it would actually only just come out as well. Right. Yeah, and and also I will also be honest because, like I said, when I fall out uh, on bands, which I don't know why, but I th- was confusing East Side Story with the record that came out after that, which was um, the one that had a uh, black coffee in bed. Oh yeah. Um... Sweet, no, what's it called again? Sweet, uh, is, is that sweet from, oh, sweet a from a stranger? Right. Yeah. Which, it's funny. It's funny because because there's a there's a few of them that that's one and RG Bargy, which you also mentioned. That I'm actually not that keen on. They're ones that I'm really. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what I don't know whether it's because they're not ones I I listened to when I was younger. I didn't right, actually. Right. I didn't actually. So maybe maybe there's a touch of nostalgia with these ones that I, I I collected when I was younger. But right, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I confused it with that, which I I really wasn't crazy about that one. But then I realized, and you know, in in okay, well, I'm gonna dive back into East Side Story, and I realized, oh my god, this is a great record. I I totally forgot how great this record is. And I think another thing for me was that the song. Uh, that uh, Paul Carrick sings um, "Tempted" was so yeah. was really big here, and it and it was played mm-hmm. om- almost like overplayed. So I kind of got uh, tired of that song, even though it's a great song. I got kind of sick of it. So uh, that could have been that could be it also. Yeah, it was a, it was quite a big hit in America, wasn't it? It yeah. was, it was, and it, it was sort of what brought them kind of kind of into the mainstream. Although they they never they're another one of these bands that are so great but so British that those they'd never really become huge here you yeah know? but uh yeah but i i love i remember you know i heard them i think rg bargy that may be my favorite because that was the first thing i heard from them and i heard um mm-hmm. what is that here in the bar be, uh, what's, what's the name of that song <laughs> oh another nail another nail in my heart i heard that 
God, that is, it's so cool because a, a big thing with them are the uh, Chris Dippard and Glenn Tilbrick singing together. Uh, Chris taking the uh, the low, uh, you know, the the low melody and yeah, Glenn, well, yeah, Glenn singing one octave higher, which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah. it's quite quite unusual that in a, in a way, you know, it is, and it's something where you could yeah. always tell squeeze. You know, it, it's sort of mm-hmm. like it's become their trademark. And so you didn't know. So when this came out, you didn't really know you you got this, but you didn't care that Jules Holland wasn't in it anymore or anything like that, really, right? No, I mean, I, th- I think I think when I first heard this, I'd, I'd had Cool for Cats, and I wasn't really aware that that wasn't Jules Holland that was playing. I probably right. didn't. I probably at the time didn't even know who Jules Holland was. Right, right, right. You know, <laughs> so it, it, it was it was one of these. It wasn't until a few years later where I started thinking, "All oh, right, he was in them, and then he left, and then he right. came back." Yeah, and, and it's funny. It's kind of ironic. Jules Holland may be the most well-known member here now because of his uh, uh, later uh, with uh, Jules Holland, the yeah. music show he has, which is really which they show a lot here, and and people really like it because it's really a great show. I I, I really mm-hmm. love the whole concept of it, and the bands sound great on his shows. So uh, I think a lot of people know him from that, and they're still. Uh, uh, they're still doing it. Uh, Chris Dippard and uh, Glenn Tilbrook are still making music, right? Yeah, they're, they're still going. They're just they're just about to play. I know they might have even just played a gig in America. They're supporting um, Hall and Oates. Actually, um, oh, really? they're doing a tour. Yeah, they're doing a tour. Support. They're supporting them, and they're gonna, they've, they've obviously had lots of their own gigs cancelled over the last year and a half. But they had this support slot um, done. I think they were just about to play. Nashville, I think it was. They were just about to play. I saw them a couple of years ago in Glasgow, maybe about three years ago now, and a fantastic gig. You know, oh, they're really? still, so yeah, they're still not home. Do you know at at um at that point was any of the other original members in the band anymore when you saw them? I don't think so. Definitely, definitely not the keyboard player. Um, definitely not the bass. But no, I don't think. I think it was just. I think it was just Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook were the right. only original ones. Should you know? Shoot me down if that's wrong. If there's some, if there's some real diehard squeeze fan listening to this and right. going, no, well, that's wrong. But no, I, I don't think, it, I don't think it, 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 they're they're kind of the kind of band because over the years they've gone through so many members that really uh, Chris Difford and Glenn Tilbrook are squeeze. I would say, you know, because they're the, yeah. Chris Difford writes uh, the majority of the lyrics and Glenn Tilbrook the music. And uh, they're, you know, as, as long as those two are in it, 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 they could call it Squeeze and it's fine. I don't yeah. think anyone would complain. All uh, respects to uh, Gilson Lavis, who is a great drummer. Uh, yes, but, you know, they're, yeah, they're definitely, those two guys are Squeeze, I would say. So when you you heard that and, and then you ended up taking a dive uh, into their other stuff, I still, I can't believe, RG Bar- you have to give RG Bargy a, a chance again. Cause I-, I probably do, yeah. I, I probably do have to give it another listen and, and, and it will click with me at some Maybe point. Sure. It, it could be that it's kind of quirky out of, out of uh, Cool for Cats, RG Bargy and uh, East Side Story. Maybe it's the quirkiest of them and the least rocking one, maybe. So mm-hmm. that could be part of it. Because I know you, you probably uh, lean more towards the rocking stuff, having uh, yeah, done yeah. Blur, and I know you're a big Blur fan. Yeah, definitely. And I'm funny enough, that's a that is a band that Squeeze do have a connection with as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they well they were sort of fans of each other, and Squeeze did a cover of End of a Century. Oh wow! Parklife. Yeah, they did that, which is on YouTube. 
She says there's ants in the carpet Dirty little monsters Eating all the muscles Picking up the rubbish Give her effervescence She needs a little sparkle Good morning TV You're looking so healthy I think it was an extra track from one of the one of the albums, but there was a live version. It's like a live version that's on YouTube. Oh, nice! All right, well, I'll definitely play a little bit of that in there, and uh, let's get into the record because there's a lot of songs on this record, and a lot yeah. of great songs on the record. And like I said, I don't know why I was thinking, oh, I don't really like this one because. I do really like this one. This is a really great, great record. Um, and it opens up with an awesome song. Let's listen to the first track in Quintessence. track and let me ask you how old are you when you first got this record and first were listening to it about seven or eight. Oh, um, okay really young yeah, so- and, and, and really i really i always I, I think there's lots of lyrics i won't have understood right um, <laughs> you know at all maybe appreciated the, the the rhythm of it and the and the sort of poetic element of it but not really understood what he was singing about right because time. now I, i'll be honest i didn't know what it was about till now till reading about it you know uh this week uh before the show uh, that it's about masturbation basically uh yeah quintessence is defined as the purest and most concentrated essence of something so there you go <laughs> Yeah, I had, I looked up quintessence this week as well. Right. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, what does that? I've listened to this song for years. What does quintessence actually? Right. Mean? But then yeah. uh, once you know that and you read it, it's like obvious. Like in the corner with his book and tissue. 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 All, yeah. all he can do is pretend to miss you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Closes it's, it's his obvious. eyes as he sees her body, pulls funny faces, and that's his hobby. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 all right there, and it's uh, and it's such a catchy uh song and we didn't mention also that the record was produced by elvis, elvis Costello, Costello, yeah and yeah. except for this song this one song wasn't it was produced by dave edmonds and uh Neil which King. is funny because this 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 song reminds me of elvis Costello. i'd say it the, sounds the like it, it could be an elvis song yeah right that's true yeah yeah so and i was reading about uh elvis producing this and it's kind of funny because did you ever hear anything about him the, their comments on him producing them and producing this record uh, well the only, one of the things I, I read about was the, the, the fact that they were going to have four producers at one point and um so they got that the, the roger bisherin um and elvis costello and there was going to be another guy nick Lowe, and they'd also thought about paul mccartney oh right yes yeah. 
to, to produce and, and apparently it wasn't it was they were all quite keen on this but it was just logistically it wasn't really possible to do yes i did see that and that would have been brilliant because paul you could totally see this being in paul's wheelhouse and and it uh that would yeah. have been great yeah and he he was up for it i guess it was just a logistical thing but i guess chris Difford said that elvis costello he produced it but he basically just like was there and he would say oh that's good or that's not but he didn't dig deep into the production of it you know that the band basically yeah. you know had their i mean at this point the band knew what they were doing and had their shit down so yeah totally so he was more like a sort of advisor probably you know, and said oh this is good right. although he did there are some uh, touches on the record that he uh had a hand in that we'll get to eventually so now we get uh, I love uh, that. That, of course, is the classic squeeze where they're both singing together. But they're always on. Usually on every record, there's going to be one where Chris takes a lead vocal. And it definitely always yeah. has a completely different feel because he's just got this really deep, raspy voice that I love. It's really cool. But obviously, some people might not uh, appreciate it compared to um, Glenn's, you know, got this really sweet voice. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's listen to someone else's heart. I got nosy and I read her letters I read her diary, it's the same story and nothing better The words remind me of someone else's heart Has gone and left a mark And the pop music plays This is definitely a softer, less gruff sounding vocal part for him, right? Yeah, he's a lot higher singing in, the, yes. in, in this form than he would be on, like, say, Cool for Cats. Right. Um, but this is a really great song, and it's got a real melancholy feel to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, very much so. And I think the ba- the bass in it is amazing as well. Just that, that bass line is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Now, Peter, remind, I, I know... You're a musician, right? You're a, a guitar yeah. player, singer. So yeah, they they always uh, squeeze always had really great players in their bands, and uh, they they write these great pop songs, very Beatlesque at times. But they um, uh, all of them are just really great players too. So definitely, that's something you have to appreciate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever whatever lineup they they've got with the band is always going to be great musicians, right? Playing with them, right, right. Um, and just, yeah, the part where Glenn comes in and the pop music plays on the local radio, it just, uh, it, it, it's, it's great. They, they put these little hooks, uh, these hooks pop up in their songs and they're so good. Yeah, I, I, I actually do think they're like total genius when they do things like that, you know? Yes, yeah, it is. And definitely the comparison always through their career, they were compared to Lennon and McCartney and people do that a lot whenever there's a dual writing uh, in a band but for them I think it's warranted very warranted because they've written so many 
just catchy, you know, poppy catchy songs that'll have like, like not just one hook, but they'll have like two or three hooks in the song. You know, you know. Yeah, and, and I think this 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 song, like you say, it's quite a melancholy song, but it's quite, it has quite a big hook, right? In right, it, right. and and in, in a way, it's I mean, it's quite a strange song. It's quite perhaps quite an unusual song to put as the second song on on an album as it well. Is. I think it is. Yes, definitely. Uh, and and now we get the song that uh, that I said was a big hit uh, in the U.S. It well, it, it I mean, I say big hit, but it uh, cracked the charts on them. So it so it got them on here. <laughs> it it actually wasn't a hit actually it, it, when I was reading about it. But it's it's been used so much and it's been played so much over time that it's gained stature. So they had Paul Carrick sing it, which in listening to the song makes sense, right? Because he sings it. Yeah. He's the perfect voice for this song. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've heard Glenn sing it plenty of times, but it definitely sounds the best with Paul singing it. Right, right. So uh, for anyone who uh, most people know that he sang uh, with the band's Ace. Uh, and that song, How Long, which is a huge, which is a huge hit. And he sang with Mike and the Mechanics. He had the Living Years, which is a real sappy song, but also a really big uh, hit song. But he's got this stronger, Glenn's got a very sweet, but almost like a reedy, little thinner voice. But Paul's got this soulful, uh, powerful, soulful voice, right? Yeah, and um, so he came back um, years later with Squeeze Paul, and he he did a song called "Loving You Tonight" off um, the Some Fantastic Place album, which was another really soulful. Oh, really? One. You know, all right, I gotta check that out. Like I said, Peter, I don't know why I do this. I just sort of give up on bands, and I and I and I, and I don't listen to, and and that's really wrong of me. Why do I do that, Peter? I don't. I don't know, but I tell you, you should this, but they've got quite a, a few more good albums in, with them as well. Squeeze from, from like, you know, night in the nineties and things. Right, I know. I got to dig back, but well, in my defense, since doing this show for three years, I'm, I'm constantly having to listen to whatever, uh, whatever we're going to do, whatever record we do. So it's definitely not. I, I don't have as much time to listen to music and just to dig into it. But yeah, I had always assumed, well, they didn't just stop making good records. You know, they're still writing great songs. Yeah. So yeah. Bad on me for that. Oh, I guess we should actually play a little bit of the song, right? Let's listen to a little bit of <laughs> Tempted. So, like I was saying, the song is so ingrained. I've heard it so much that I thought I, 
I almost forgot to play it because I thought, oh, well, we already listened to it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is still great. And so Chris wrote it, actually, but wisely, you know, they had uh, Paul sing it. And like I said, that he was the perfect guy to sing it because he does have the perfect voice for this type of song. Yeah, it, it fits really well. And I think lyrically it's... it's um fantastic i think it's sort of like they sing a lot of mundane things but it makes it sound sort of it makes it sound sort of poetic yes right you know yeah and and he's really good at that actually chris uh, differed that's kind of like a trademark of his right uh writing about kind of mundane seeming things but it sort of gets uh you know uh, there's a deeper uh, you know uh, it's maybe someone that's not dealing with their true feelings and emotions uh as well so they sort of uh, throw out all these little throw-off um, minutia things that actually have more meaning. Yeah, totally. He's, he's, he's so, such a good lyricist, and he, you know, he sets a scene. I think as well. Oh yeah, so good, so good. And uh, and all right. Speaking of that, speaking of setting a scene, this next one, uh, this is what I was saying about them being British. This song to me sounds so British, you know. Uh, right from the yeah. title. What's the title of it? Say the title. Piccadilly. There you go. So here, this is just what we were talking about, right, Peter? Because it's just a little yeah. slice of life about new love, someone being excited about a new love. Uh, but he, and he just throws out all these little d- details. Yeah, I, mean, I love, I love the line. Um, Happy that she is expecting his baby. His wife won't be pleased, but she's not been around lately. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, the humor in it is 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 is, is brilliant. Um, I think it's probably my favorite squeeze song. Actually, this. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it is. It, it's really great. And uh, it just paints a picture, paints such a picture of what he's trying to convey. And uh, it's it's just it's really great. Yeah, it, it's just a, a great example of how their songwriting and their delivery, they really are special. They have a special sound where you hear it. And you know it's them, and it's funny, they were lumped in, well, I don't know how it was there, but here they were definitely lumped in with the new wave bands, you know. Uh, the new yeah, I think there was there was a lot of, the, 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 as far as I can, from what I've read, there was a lot of, this is new wave, and then they sort of grew out of that a little bit, I think, yeah. squeeze, and then people sort of thought, they're then, you know, then perhaps not part of that, or they're unique. You know. Yeah, they are. They're unique because at the end of the day, they're just a really great uh, band, a c- sort of a quirky uh, pop band, you know. But uh, just at the time, because uh, there were so many other new wave uh, bands, they were sort of lumped in with that. But they never totally fit into that because uh, it's it's just not them. They were definitely unique. Um, all right. So Beatlesque. I mentioned Beatlesque and there's Beatlesque, but something like this. 
uh, for me, it's too much. For me, it sounds too much like the Beatles. And uh, this is my least favorite probably on the record. I don't know uh, what you think. Yeah, I, I like it, but it's probably my least favorite as well, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, because uh, there's other bands like uh, Cheap Trick and ELO uh, where they wear their influence on their sleeve and sometimes it's uh, too much. It's like you could tell they're almost mm-hmm. doing an homage to the Beatles and that's what I feel this is. Listen to a little yeah. bit of There's No Tomorrow. Yeah, so for me, there's a difference between loving the Beatles and and being influenced by them, and just trying to write a, a Beatles song, which this sounds more like. Yeah, there is a there's a big element of Strawberry Fields in that. I think yes. only a sort of depressed Strawberry Fields. Right. <laughs> this episode of That Record Got Me High podcast is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, I've only been telling you about it for the past three years, but Patreon is a platform that allows you to support artists and creators that you love. How do you become a patron? Well, I also mentioned this too. You go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH or just go to patreon.com and search for That Record Got Me High podcast and become a patron of the show. It's fun. It's, well, I don't know how fun it is really, but uh, it really helps out and we appreciate you and we have special patron curated episodes and we send out newsletters and uh, it is fun. Let's, I'm just going to go on record as saying it's kind of fun. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. All right, so this next one feels to me like a throwback to their first record. Which did you eventually get their first record? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I basically end up getting the whole right, whole lot of them really over over the years. Um, this 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 one kind of reminds me a lot of um, Madness. Oh I right, think. okay, okay, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's a great song, but definitely kind of a throwback. Let's listen to a little bit of Heaven.
That's a that's a great rhyme there. She bends over backwards even though she's knackered. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's, this is another one that's very British, I think. Yes, yes, and yeah. and uh, he's great. He writes these uh, drinking these like British drinking songs, but sophisticated, very sophisticated wordplay in them. Yeah, and and the outro in it is amazing as well. You know, bringing in the other instruments, and it's just. It's kind of it's, you don't expect that outro to come in like that because it's quite a jolly song for the rest of it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, quirky. You know everything that you love about Squeeze, right? Yeah. So the the first record uh, was there was just called Squeeze because here it was UK Squeeze because I guess at the time there was another American band called Squeeze. Yeah, I think I think I think so. Yeah. Oh, Peter, I wish I I had that the UK Squeeze uh, in pink vinyl when I bought it, pink vinyl, and I probably sold it for two dollars, like when I was in my. 20s. No, don't don't go on Discogs and find out how much. It oh no, I know, I know. <laughs> so many records like that. I I sold all my record. I gave some to my daughter, uh, my older daughter. Corey, which I don't mind because at least they're in the family, but I sold a lot too. Yeah. So. Before I knew all these kids were like spending stupid amounts of money for old vinyl, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a massive movie. thing there. Yep. All right. So now we get uh, this one I've always really loved. And and this, again, uh, the fact that Elvis Costello is producing it, you definitely, there's similarities uh, in, in uh, lyrics, in his lyrics, because Elvis Costello obviously writes really great lyrics too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got a way of words. Um, right. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I can I, I can see I can see how someone would, you know, would be a fan of Squeeze and would also be a fan of Elvis Costello as well. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, because they're very um, they're just great songs, but then they're, and they're poetic, but they also have this little edge to them, this little twisted edge. Yeah. And uh, this one does definitely. Let's listen to a little bit of Woman's Swirl. Play, but also a little of the time, Peter, wouldn't you say? Because the way he's singing about woman's world, you know, he's sort of like it's kind of a condescending almost. To women, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little condescending. I, try, I I try and justify it by saying he's, I don't know, big, there's irony in there, and and you know he's oh right right he's he's, maybe he's, playing playing a persona maybe or yes. he's saying that she needs that she needs to break free from this world right but. but he's doing it all kind of ironic where he's kind of in on it where he realizes that's kind of ridiculous to to say all that and just yeah I mean yeah that's good but I don't know if that's something I understood when you know I definitely didn't understand it when I was eight and listening to it right right um but maybe <laughs> when I was a bit older I, I I start to realize what the song was about and right um you know but just as a songwriter Peter uh, uh, what I was saying before about the verses in this and the bridge and the chorus there's like three there's enough hooks for like three d- separate songs in this one song he's been so busy and she's been neglected the 
Yeah, like it, it's a bit. It's almost like it's, if you, if someone had said, "Oh, you know, you know," like when Lennon and McCartney wrote "A Day in the Life," and you know, he had one bit and he had another bit. Yeah, if you said right. that about Creed, you'd believe it because you'd be like, "Oh, someone had that bit and someone had that bit," but no, he just came up with the whole. Yeah, and just cram. Let's let's cram it all into one song. <laughs> yeah, overstack. Let's overstack yeah. it with hooks. So that's really great, really brilliant. And now we flip it over. So you, at this time, uh, when you had this, were you? Did you have albums still, or did you move on to? Uh, it it was cassettes? a cassette I had. It was cassette. Yeah, yeah and I which figured. I've still got actually. Oh really? Um, just just that, just for sentimentality, really. I've still, I've still got the cassette. You don't I've, pop I've it. it you don't seat. pop it in your cassette player. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know the, really uh, the the kids, the hipster kids, are doing that again, Peter. You know they're. I know. Cassettes. I noticed. I noticed um, a few bands, you know, like packages you can buy had the cassette right. with it. And I, I was a bit, what, so you want it to sound like it's in a box after five yeah. listens or something. <laughs> kind of ridiculous, but, you know, what, what, what are you going to do with kids these days? All right, so we do flip it over for me or for anyone that had the album. You flip it over and we get another fantastically catchy Love Ain't No Picnic song. Uh, that's I think they write uh, a lot of songs like that, right, about how love's, you know, not always that great. Uh, so let's listen to Is That Love. You've left my ring by the soap. Now is that love? You clean me out, you could say broke. Now is that love? The better, better, better it gets. The more these girls forget that that is love. You won't get dressed, you walk about Now is that, is that The teasing glances push me out Now is that, is that The tougher, tougher, tougher it gets The more my lips frequent Now that is love Beat me up with your letters Your walk-out notes Funny how you still find me So it's got right there, they've got like a bridge and then they've got like a a bridge again, a, a different bridge, right? They got like two bridges there. <laughs> yeah, they 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 go they're going against the rules. <laughs> right, definitely. And also we should mention we didn't I didn't get to it, but Glenn Tilbrook has a really great lead break in there. And we haven't mentioned his guitar playing at all, but he's a oh, really Oh, I'm good glad we are mentioning that. Yeah, because his his lead guitar playing is fantastic. It is. Um the solo in that so this song is is brilliant um and that, one of the one of the art songs of Fool for cats um it's so dirty that's there's, there's two solos in that and then two of my favorite solos yeah ever. he's so he's so uh, tasty and he's just technically he's amazing but he comes up with these tasty yeah that uh when i said the first song i heard another nail in my heart has that great solo in it that uh as soon as when i heard that that just my ears went up and i said oh my god yeah what is that and then to find yeah, out yeah. the guy singing, like the main singer, is the guy playing that. It's like, wow. Yeah, that's always that's always cool. And I'm, you know, the last time I saw them live, I was actually right at the front, in the in you know in the middle, just, and I was just watching his guitar playing the whole. Oh, um, nice. And they, uh, you know, I don't. Who knows? I don't know if it's true. You may know more, but they, uh, both of them, uh, Glenn Tilbrook, Christopher, seem like really good guys too. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I think they are. They, they come, they come across as re really nice guys, and that, right. you know, which I, which is, which is, 
which is always a nice thing to know, you know, when you're listening to something. It is nice. And it's also nice that you have a songwriting team that they're still, obviously they're still friends and they're still together and writing together. So that, that, that shows that they're probably good guys that they never, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure over the years they've had their ups and downs differences, but that they're, you know, that they're still together and still writing together and playing together. Yeah. And this, and, and this, this song, for me, is just oh, I don't know. It's just it's a classic. It's almost like I think it's one maybe people that are into like indie music and things would be like if you mentioned Squeeze, they wouldn't just say Temp did or Cool for Cats. They'd probably mention this song as well. Oh right, right. Um, right. You know, I think and the things like when it goes from A minor to A major and things, just little subtle things like that that are just yes, fantastic. It you is. know. And now we get another Beatlesque one, but this one I don't mind the. Beatlesness in this one as much because it yeah. also has that quirky, you know, that that quirky early squeeze feel to it, and uh, and of course, really great words uh, from uh, from Glenn. So let's listen to a little bit of F hole. <laughs> Yeah, possibly one of my favorite lyrics, which is, um, we watched each other closely. She looks like Bella Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> and when I first heard that lyric, I thought, oh, that sounds, that, that sounds really good. And then, then I looked up who, you know, found out who Bella Lugosi was and playing Dr- Dracula. Yes. <laughs> and, and I was just, I was just, that's absolutely brilliant, you know, and it, it, it's such a strange song. The chords are really unusual in it. Yeah, yeah, they they are, and it, and it, it's just got that uh, British. Well, when I say Britishness to you, you obviously know, but the fact that the uh, the song title itself is is a kind of like a double entendre, and uh, it's, it's just very clever. It's all very clever and uh, and well done. It is. I, I remember when I was in a band and um, a rock rock band, and we actually did a cover of this song. We never really? did it on stage, but we we did it with like distorted guitars and things. Oh, nice. <laughs> so just, okay, I can see yeah, that because you're right. There are very the chords are very unusual in this one, and it's cool. Yeah, I could I could hear that. Yeah. I could picture it. Do you have any uh, tapes of that, Peter? I, I wish, I wish actually. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you could do. Maybe you could do a cover of it again. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right. Do you have uh, you have time, right? Or things are uh, yeah, things are yeah. opening up. Have you actually gotten to do any gigs yet, or play out at all? 
not not yet. Um, but we are. Well, I mean, we are getting people playing gigs again here in festivals and things. So right, I'm, right. I'm just waiting for I'm just waiting for bars to start having their open mic nights again. Oh, okay, okay. It, yeah, which hasn't quite happened yet, but it, I think it'll happen soon. Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. All right. So now we were talking about Elvis Costello. This clearly, this uh, next one, uh, his because uh, Elvis obviously loved country music, and he he did that record. And I, this song, when I think of it, I always think of Elvis because I I had that record, Elvis's country record, and this definitely mm-hmm. this is a song that would have fit in right in on that. And uh, supposedly, I read they weren't going to put it on this record, but when he heard the demo, he insisted. That yeah, because he—he, I think maybe it was him that maybe got them into country music and things. And, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, possibly, and, or incessantly playing them stuff, and then it ended up writing. Right. Writing this. And Chris kind of laid like uh, like all great country songs. The lyrics are are simpler and very simple and effective, which you know. So he didn't. Chris kind of laid back, I think, on the cleverness and just tried to write a traditional country type song. Yeah. Which uh, uh, he had said his mom said that that she loved this song. <laughs> Chris Dippert's mom loved it. So he was very <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think as well. I think in the UK this was probably their biggest hit from this. Oh, album. really? Bigger, bigger than Tempted. I'm sure it, I think it got to like something like number 10 or 9 or 10 oh, nice. or something like that. It wasn't until they did Hourglass that they had a slightly bigger hit. Right. It, I mean, mm. it's great, but it's definitely not your traditional uh, squeeze song. Let's listen to yeah. uh, Labeled With Love. She unscrews the top of a new whiskey bottle and shuffles about in her candlelit hovel like some kind of witch with blue fingers and mittens She smells like the cat And the neighbors she sickens The black and white TV Has long seen a picture The cross on the wall Is a permanent fixture The postman delivers The final reminders She sells off her silver And poodles in China song and i've grown you know when i was younger i did not like country at all would not listen to it but i, I as i've gotten older i've uh, appreciated i don't i don't like any of that new country that, that's out now mm-hmm. but uh older country i could definitely appreciate more now yeah i mean I, well, johnny cash was one of the first things i ever listened to my dad oh, johnny cash okay. so i sort of had, i sort of appreciated it Right. back then but perhaps wasn't really into it but then certainly the, the stuff like you know johnny cash and things like that you know um and i've always loved this song yeah um, yeah it, it is it's just a great song and uh all right now we get one a kind of a latter day squeeze on this next one maybe not one of my favorites on the record just because it's not it, it i feel like they're so good that they could throw out a song like this and uh you know maybe there's not much to it but they could still make it into a song no, I, get, I get what you mean yeah but uh let's listen to someone else's bell we talk about each other 
Listening to it right now, I realize it's actually it's actually not well, no, bad. It's, it's a good song. It's a really good song. They're, they're quite. He's quite angry in it. I thought it's, it's probably one of the most angry squeeze songs. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. If, if the grass seems greener, but it turns out to be blue, the Garden of Eden isn't quite the place for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's catty. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe just the fact that the record is stacked with so much really catchy poppy uh, ones that something like this which is maybe a little more understated maybe uh, maybe that's why i thought but yeah listening to it now it's a good song Definitely. now we get another throwback sounding one i really like this next one this oh this i is, love this one yeah because this is this is like the, uh, the squeeze that that we love right uh, quirky yeah. with quirky lyrics and all these little little hooks little hidden hooks in it let's listen to mumbo jumbo <laughs> As a songwriter, that chorus, how great is that chorus in that song? It's amazing. I, I remember learning how to play this and, and, and I'm just thinking, how did they write this? You know, how did they? <laughs> yeah, the, because it, the it, way it develops, you know, it the develops and, and, and they like could have stopped at the first half of the chorus and it would have been great. But then they bring it to a whole other level by changing the uh, the key of it a little, moving into a different key or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, definitely changes key at some point. And, and the lyrics, it's sort of, you know, you've got this sort of cat on the mat type lyrics, but they're sort of, you know, almost like a mockery of that kind of, you know, yes. rhyming. Yes, exactly. You know. Right. And and the fact that it's called mumbo jumbo, you think, oh, maybe it's just like a little throwaway thing, but it's not. It's got these great, clever lyrics. And I, and I will say right now, uh, when, uh, when I had this uh, record, I was in, uh, I guess I was still in high school, but my band, uh, my high school new wave band, I wrote a song and I used the eyebrows pluck line thing. I used that in, in my song. <laughs> and I, oh, I, know I stole it directly from here. Well, if you're going to steal something, you know, steal it from Squeeze. Exactly. Place steal to steal it from Squeeze. Don't steal it from some uh, shitty band. So now we get a really pretty, I, I really like this song, a little uh, change of pace, right? Towards the end of the record. Yeah. And um and and sad. Another some of their songs have these melancholy feel to them, and this one definitely does. A uh, little wistful, sad. They're really good. They're really good at writing about. I think from the point of view of a female, of a woman, or from a woman's point of view, he's 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 really good at that. I think. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. He's 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 really good at that. I think. Yeah. So uh, let's listen to a little bit of Vanity Fair. Great, uh, such a great mood uh, they they do with the music and his lyrics. You know, again with the little simple um, details of life, uh, just sort of painting this picture of this girl. Yeah, I, I love the line. Um, her beauty is as deep as her skin. Keeps her eyebrows in a tobacco tin. Yes, just little, little things like that. Just you know, paints a picture, but it's so simple as well. Right, 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 right. And uh, Beatles again. Beatles asked, but but not. Not not cloyingly so, not like you know, like they're trying to write a Beatles song or anything, but obviously that's uh that's in their DNA, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean the string arrangements and everything you can maybe hear a, right, a right. bit of the, the, the Beatles. Um and, and and like you say, he's he he is great at writing from the point of view of a woman, you know, songs like this and then she doesn't have to shave is a great one they did later years later oh okay um, yeah peter i promise you i'm gonna i'm gonna visit their later records and uh maybe you, you should actually make me a little a playlist or something of their later stuff so i could uh yeah yeah, yeah i would i would like that because i listening to this record i i i realized although i'm sure they were bigger they're they're more uh acclaimed uh in in uh england in europe but uh, they should have been huge. They should have been a huge band because they were so good. Yeah, they really, they really should have been massive. Really. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And um, uh, it's a shame. But I mean, I know people, uh, obviously people who love this kind of music really love them. But they've always just been kind of a sort of like a niche, uh, you know, quirky band that most average music listener in the U.S. probably never even heard of. You know, or maybe they, yeah. if you played them uh, attempted, they would go, oh, yeah, that band. And that's all they would know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind definitely. of a shame. All right, so we got the final track. They go rockabilly. And this reminded me, I, I checked when Queen did Crazy Little Thing Called Love, and it was actually a few years before this. Because definitely same type thing of a rock band just doing this rock, throwback rockabilly song. Yeah, I think this this is a bit of a... It is, it, you know, it's, it's quite a melancholy album in some places. So this is maybe just having a happy finish to the album. Yes, um, right. But yeah, if you actually listen to the lyrics... They're not happy at all, really. But oh, like. yeah, yeah, right. They're not. Um, yeah, she feels messed around, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. They definitely could have ended the record uh, with Vanity Fair, and it would have been this, you know, sort of sad, melancholy ending. But, yeah, I think they wanted to end it on an upbeat, uh, which was a good choice, I think, because it's, it's a great little yeah. song, and they do a great job. And you could tell 
they love this type of music. They have an affection for this and they play it yeah. great. All right, let's listen to Messed Around. <laughs> She wants to give up love for good She kicks her fence and splits her wood She cries her eyes out in the rain She swears her lot and so again She feels messed around She takes a cold opposite pause The passing daytime she ignores Since with the problem on the bench And with the heel she picks a trench she feels messed around She rips her skirt and tears her dress Climbing over his garden fence But on a morning as tears still fall She's in the mood for his love at all Yeah, it's she great. The lyrics are uh, kind of messed up, right? Yeah, everything's just going wrong for her, basically. In, <laughs> right. in, in, the, in the song, but it's got this, you know, rockabilly do-do-do-do-do, you know? Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. so good at that. All right, so we did uh, we did the record, and uh, I um, there's a lot of songs on this record. This record's really stacked. So I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna agree with you that this was a great record to do, and I, I'm not mad at you anymore. I was mad at you for picking this instead of RG Bardi, and I was mad at you for <laughs> thinking this. So now I'm not mad at you anymore, Peter, because this really is a, <laughs> this is a great record. <laughs> And I'm glad uh, this was our first squeeze record. I, have a th- I bet somewhere down the line someone will pick another squeeze record because um, they're they're just a great band, such a great band. Yeah. So Peter, uh, this is the great thing, you know, the internet. I put down social media, the internet, because it's basically ru- ruined life and ruined the world. But the good thing about it is that we could, uh, you know, we without it, we would never have met, right? And uh, we wouldn't yes, be able to hear you. But people can... So where's the best place to go to hear your stuff? Because your your music's actually really good. You're good. Peter's a great uh, oh, songwriter. And where's the best place for them to find your music? So, so that would be peternorris.bandcamp.com would be um, all my original stuff is on there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we checked it after we did the first Blur uh, record. Uh, we went in, I went in there and checked it out, and yeah, you have a lot of good stuff. Sometimes people, they send me their thing, and I listen to it, and I go, oh, God. I, I, but no, this is really good. <laughs> you're good. So that's good. I would tell you anyway. I, w- I would say you're good, but I probably wouldn't say it with, uh, you know, you'd probably be able to tell it. Yeah, well, and, well I've, you know, I've got lots. Since, since the last thing, I've, I've done loads of, music i actually did one album that had like 90 songs on it so i went a bit um <laughs> well, a, bit, a, a bit a bit prince but I, I didn't have the record company to hold me back so right 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 well that you know that's kind of good that that could both be good and bad right yeah <laughs> well I'll, I'll let people judge, judge, judge that. no no i think it's good though all right awesome so yeah definitely check out uh Peter's Bandcamp. So once again, it's Peter. PeterNorris.bandcamp.com. Yeah, easy, easy, easy. And uh, don't forget, guys, you could also go to Instagram and Facebook at us. It's at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. That's fun. You know, Peter, our, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest, another guest from England doing the, the Smiths episode. I think the Smiths episode that's out right now. Uh, and he... He got in touch with us after the Blur episode because I forget. He said we got like one or two things wrong. So 
That's no, we probably did. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I'm, even... I'm just not nerdy enough for for um, exactly. Well, he 100 percent accuracy. He I post, was. I actually enough. think. <laughs> yeah, I think when I posted it in uh, the Blur fan club on Facebook, I did. I did say, "No, this is you know, this isn't going to be like everything's going to be." I know you always right. have to. Yeah, you have to be careful with that because some fans, especially posting in fan groups, because some fans can be very particular about their band. But they, you got to understand. People have to understand. This isn't a. We're not doing a. You know, we're we're diving into the record, but mainly we're talking about why someone loves a record and what they yeah. love about it. And we're not doing a biography. This isn't a. Uh, you know, a, a documentary or anything. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. And also, guys, uh, subscribe. If you listen, uh, subscribe. That, that's real important. You could subscribe to us so this way. It, uh, it helps us grow. And we are growing, and I really appreciate you guys. And if you want to become a patron of the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh, and you can become a patron of the show. I really appreciate it. Peter, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's great, as always, having you on. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you take care, and we'll see all you guys next week. And we are out of here.